This is Greg Olson here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue wire. The Denver Nuggets select Michael Porter Jr. But I'm going to make sure that this pick is this organization's best pick they've ever made. Morris inside. Jokic. Jokic. 23. to a new edition of the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, TJ McBride from MileHighSports.com, and we are back to talk about some more Nuggets hoops. Their seeding games are now over. They played the Raptors today. I don't even remember what the score was. The game was basically a scrimmage because everything was already decided for both teams, but the whole point is that the Nuggets are now looking ahead to the playoffs. That is what is next. So, with that being said, we decided, being me and Devalier Johnson of Mile High Sports, my coworker over there, we decided to talk about eight different takeaways that I had from the Nuggets uh, eight seeding games. Um, I also wrote about this on MileHighSports.com, so you can go check that out right now. There's a bunch of words about all the different stuff that the Nuggets were able to accomplish or other narratives to look forward to or some things they were able to take away from these eight seeding games. So it's a great conversation, kind of long, but it was also very, very um, informative. I thought we hit a lot of different topics. So that's awesome. I really am happy we were able to do that. Uh, Dev's awesome. Follow him at Devalier Johnson on Twitter. You can find all of his work on milehighsports.com. Also though, there is a new sponsor of this show that you are about to hear about, TheraOne CBD. And if you know anything about me, I use CBD regularly. So I'm very excited to tell you about them here in a second. But the show is also brought to you by NFLSundayTicket.tv as well as Bet Online. So tons of cool stuff going on. The Nuggets are now going to be playing in the playoffs in like 36 hours. And we're going to be able to keep it rolling here at the Rocky Mountain Hoops podcast. We're going to take our first quick break, tell you about TheraOne CBD, and we're going to come back on the other end with my conversation with Devalier Johnson. Stick around. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everybody understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD projects. Started by Jason Wurzlin, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun percussive therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments, that's when he created TheraOne. That's to bring you CBD products done right. There are a lot of CBD products that claim to be organic, but they still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the US, and their CBD extracts the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion as your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and the sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. So this is what you gotta do. Now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne projects or products. But you've gotta go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. 
All right. And we are back in with my guy, Devalier Johnson, superstar dev. How are you doing, man? Hey, how's it going, man? You hanging in there all right over there? Everything going cool with you throughout this pandemic? Yeah. Yeah, I'm excited to have basketball back. Yeah, that's been a great thing. Um, speaking of having basketball back, TJ, it's been great to see what you've been doing throughout this whole time. Basketball was gone, but TJ was still here. Um, I'm excited that, that you're still around and doing this. Um, Mile High Sports is lucky to have you, and I'm lucky to have you as a, a partner in crime. But if there's cops listening, we have committed no crimes together. <laughs> yeah, no, cr you. <laughs> no crimes, at least within your jurisdiction. That's for damn sure. So, um, but thank you for the kind enough. words, man, for real. And it's been, a, I mean, we've been working together for years now. So it's always good to jump on and talk some hoops uh, beyond the nuggets, which we're going to get into plenty. We're going to talk about the eight seeding games and get all, into all of our different takeaways. But any other basketball stuff stand out to you? Anything in particular from the bubble play so far? I mean, Damian Lillard, I don't know how you, you don't talk about that. Um, he's been incredible. Um, he's been so incredible that we, we're starting to forget that Steph Curry is as a point guard. People are saying that he's the best point guard now, and that's just how good he is. Um, I think that the people that say that, I mean, it's just nostalgia. It's, uh, you're just going living <laughs> in the moment. But he's been so incredible that, that we're starting to talk about those type of things. Also, the Phoenix Suns, like that is yes. a story. I mean, of course – um, I think that we're a little bit too high on it because, I mean, they just – everything fell into place for them for it to not fall into place. It was the perfect ending to a horrible situation for them. But that, that's been fun. Oh, um, without so a doubt. So those two things have stood out the most for me. So let me ask you about Dame for a second um, because – What? What's, what, what's good? Okay. I was going to say TJ Warren, that, that one has been a shocker for me too. Like that's something I did not see coming. Um, and that was amazing that him and Jimmy Butler get to go against each other. Yeah, man. I enjoyed that a lot too. But Dame, I mean, I saw someone on Twitter and I can't remember who said it. Someone compared Dame and said, if there's anybody who has that, you know, quote unquote Mamba mentality like Kobe did, Dame is the only one in the NBA who fully embodies that right now. Is that something that you kind of agree with as well? Well, I think that whoever the killer is of the moment, that's who they say has the Mamba that's mentality. Like, I'm sure soon. Soon they're going to say Kawhi Leonard has it once he starts um, to dominate. Um, when, when LeBron James gets back to his domination mode, we're going to say that he has the Mamba mentality. We give it to whoever the best is at the time, and that just goes to speak of how great you know, Kobe Bryant um, was as a player and a person. It was nuts just to see Dame pull up from literally the half-court logo. His heel was on the logo. I've, I don't think I've ever seen somebody purposely pull up without a shot clock about to end or a quarter ending and decide to take that shot and also hit it. That's like some LaMelo ball at Chino Hills shit. Like, I couldn't believe that he was willing to do that, and he said it was because they were doubling him so high he wasn't going to deal with that. So he started pulling up from literally half-court, and that is just – people don't do that. It, it it was nuts to watch him do that. Who the hell does that? Like, if you miss the shot, then, then what? What are we saying if you miss that type of shot? But to have the cojones to take that type out and make it. And, the, like, the situation. I think they were down in the game when he hit that shot. Yeah, like, that's, that's insane. That's insane to take that type of shot, have that type of confidence, and to really knock it down. Like, he's, he's otherworldly right now. Oh, he totally is. Um, not to, to disregard the Suns, but I, I've talked about the Suns so much at this point that I'm going to let it be. But with all of the Dame intensity, we got none of that in the Nuggets game today, but the seeding games are finally over. Did you have anything of value that you took from today's game? Because I literally have nothing to say about it. Uh, PJ Dozier, I think that he he's continuing to show that he really is an NBA player. That's not just only... Um, a two-way player. I think that he's an up-and-coming point guard um, that's going to get paid um, when his time is up with Denver. Um, luck, like, hopefully he stays with Denver, but if not, there's going to be somebody out there that wants P.J. Dozier. So that's my takeaway for today. Yeah, and we're going to talk about Dozier. So let's just get into all of these things. I wrote a story up on Mile High Sports, way too many words, about eight different takeaways from the Nuggets 8 seeding games. And I kind of want to just get into that, but I also wanted to have your input because your basketball input is always unique, and it always – people can – 
can miss things through the cracks and you tend to see things in a very unique way. So I wanted to bounce them off you and see what you think of these takeaways and if you have anything to add to them. So I think the first one that I want to start with is just these Nuggets injuries to Gary Harris and Will Barton, they're not going away in my opinion. I have no insight, no sourcing on this, but do you have any faith that we're going to see either of them in the playoffs, let alone start a game? Well, it, it threw me off because um, when Jared Greenberg came out and said that they were going to be playing um, out of nowhere and then they actually didn't play, that already was red flags. But if you go back a, a, a while um, in the media, um, we can't call it the, the media like scrounge anymore, but when Malone spoke to media, he, he, he basically said he doesn't even know when, like, when they'll come back or if they'll come back. And that was something that was – the biggest red flag because he said if it was a playoff game today, he still doesn't know if they will play, which that is insane to me just because Gary Harris, before he left, he was playing with the team. He was practicing with the team. Like he, he was a person that was around. Um, Will Barton, we didn't hear much about. I think that he was back into his hometown, but there were still pictures of him, um, you know, working out and doing these type of things. Then they go into a bubble after a long hiatus and then they don't play at all. Like, Will Barton played, like, what, 18 minutes throughout the whole scrimmage time and hasn't played since. Gary Harris didn't touch the court the end of time. Like, I'm not sure, like, what the optimism is right now. It's probably a 50-50. Yeah, and I wouldn't even give it 50-50. Like, I've seen nothing that gives me faith that they're going to come back. Like, how many times has Malone said to us as media in these, like, media Zoom calls that we're dealing with where he basically is saying – that they have to operate as if they're not coming back. They can't start trying to make plans as if they're going to be there because they might not. And when Malone is making that kind of a direct statement, because he's never direct about injuries. How many times have you and I been sitting in those scrums where Malone's like, yeah, you'll see who's available at game time. And he's always super, super vague about it. And all of a sudden he's like, yeah, we're preparing like they're not going to be there. And that is just incredibly revealing to me. And it brings us to the next part of this, which is Will Barton doesn't necessarily have as much of this, but Gary Harris's injury history is now absolutely atrocious. And I have no idea how we can get around that. And I have no idea what it's going to mean for Gary Harris going forward. So do you, do you have any thoughts about the injury history of Gary Harris, his value to the Nuggets, his value around the league, and what you maybe would do with him going forward? Well, it's, it's really a scary situation just because he hasn't played, you know, like even close to a full season in a long, long time. Um, maybe he's only had like two years um, since being drafted of having like, um, like over like, you know, to 60 games or whatever. Um, I know he hasn't got over that since, you know, like 15, 16. Um, it's been about four years since he's done that. So that, that's just scary to go about just to know that um, no matter what, if you're, if you're rolling, if you're in a groove at any point, someone could get hurt. And if it's someone like Gary Harris, it's going to take a while for him to get back. Um, you know, like, for instance, Jer Jeremy Grant gets hurt. He comes back the next game. Gary Harris gets hurt. We don't know when he's going to come back. So those type of things are, are scary to have. And um, moving forward is something that you have to continue to think about. Like, okay, but will we have Gary in the postseason? Will we have Gary to start the season? Will we have Gary at any point? Um, and I know that at times that's just frustrating for all parties. Yeah, it absolutely is. Like Malone loves Gary. Malone believes in Gary and he wants to play Gary. Before all this happened, Malone was saying, nope, we're sticking with Gary Harris as a, as a starter. We're not moving from that. We believe in Gary Harris. But at this point, he literally can't play. And at this point, I wonder what his role is because if he's not starting, he doesn't bring the same um, impact off the bench. Like He is a good third or fourth option who plays good defense that fits with the starters. He's not a guy who can be the secondary option off the bench and be able to create for everybody so I don't know where his role is going to fall now it's very concerning especially if the Nuggets play well with a bigger lineup in the playoffs because having Torrey Craig who is a good defender in his own right and just significantly bigger than Gary Harris that is going to give the Nuggets a different kind of a boost and Michael Porter Jr. being bigger as well and it's going to be interesting to see how their um, thoughts change in terms of how they're going to build this roster and how Gary Harris fits into that and if they do look to 
to trade him or if they do look to see where they can find another place for him. I have no idea how that's going to work yet, but at this point, anything is on the table. Um, let's move to Will Barton, though. Do you have what, – what do you think about Will Barton? Because he, he had no injuries in his career going back to, like, middle school before he had his core muscle injury last year that derailed most of his season. Now here he is dealing with right knee soreness. Again, played the 18 minutes in the third scrimmage game, like you already said, and he hasn't played a single minute in the seeding games. We have no idea what is going to happen to him. There's been less talk about Will Barton than Gary Harris, and with us not being around these guys or at practices or looking at what they're able to do, we have no idea where they're at. So where's your level of concern at with Will Barton? I think that my level of concern with Will Barton is actually higher than it is with Gary Harris. Uh, Interesting. Gary Harris is, is good as a defender, um, knocks down threes and things of that nature. But Will Barton, we know that that's a street ball, you know, legend type of player. You can't keep him away from the ball. <clears throat> it does not matter um, where it's at. Like, Will Barton wants to play basketball. So for him to be sitting out the scrimmage games and also to not get into a rhythm or a groove, um, especially with – the last, like with the core muscle, when he did get injured, um, how long it took for him to get back. Remember when it took a, a while for him to get back into a groove and he never really um, back in that season. So for him to have no games or minutes played at all and then try to go into a playoff um, seating with Michael Porter Jr. like breathing down his neck, like I think that I'm, I'm more concerned about Barton than I am Gary Harris. That's actually very fair, and I hadn't thought about it that way before, but he, the fact that he hasn't dealt with injuries makes it even more complicated for him. So that's really where everything is at with the injuries. I think we both feel the same way that we don't really feel strongly that we're going to see them, but... With all of that being said, there has been a very cliche silver lining, which is the Nuggets have allowed young players to play a lot of minutes because of these injuries and because people just weren't in Orlando for so, for so long. So we're obviously going to get to Bobo and Michael Porter Jr., but let's start with the player you talked about from the game tonight, P.J. Dozier. The Nuggets not having guards for so long and then being without Gary Harris and Will Barton has left them needing P.J. Dozier, which is a crazy thought considering where they were at. But now that he's here, he's been playing so well. He has his full-time NBA contract. What have you thought of his play now that he's finally been able to kind of just loosen up and go out there and ball? Well, it's really a perfect situation for a player like him to be able to prove himself in this type of uh, situation. As, as far as these are real games for them, like uh, the Nuggets really, you know, gave a crack at it for a while and then when they didn't, when the starters got out, he really got to get, like, you know, a, a more, uh, a better look. But Dozier's a player that Denver's going to need, especially if Gary Harris doesn't play, because he's such a big guard, 6'6", six, six yeah. point guard that could play off the ball as well. He can score, he plays within the offense, he defends at a level, strong, big guard, big guard. So, like, Dozier, that, this was a great situation for him, and Maybe that's why they push Gary Harris down, like give you some more time to rest and things because we have a guy kind of similar to you um, that could take that time until you're ready. Especially with the way he's shooting threes. If he's shooting threes like this, everything opens up for him. His playmaking in the pick and roll is already so advanced for someone with his level of an experience that if he can if he can space the floor and create even more room for himself and force guys to fight over screens, he's going to be an extremely useful point guard going forward. And I have been so surprised by the way that he has conducted himself in this bubble. His like, you know the DNVR people call him PJ uh, Composure, and it really does kind of fit the bill because he is just so calm running the offense they need more shooting around him to really be able to create a functional bench unit because I do have concerns about that now that Michael Porter Jr. is with the starters but Dozier has shown that he can competently run an NBA offense regardless of the circumstance and he's done it against very high level of competition in the Lakers and the Clippers deep in the games in fourth quarters so I have been supremely impressed with where Dozier's at and like you said his defense man when he's when he really is locked in and he's defending getting out in transition getting in passing lanes and making reads on the move that's when he really unlocks a different level of his play so Dozier has been um more than I ever expected from him at this point because again who knew what to expect coming into this bubble but he's really embraced it and taken it over let's move on to Bull Bull 
the bowl bowl portion of this is completely ridiculous to me. I still like it's hard for me to watch bowl bowl and believe what I'm seeing because like he literally dribbles the ball like six inches below his hips. And I don't know how somebody can do that, but his arms are just so absurdly long that he's able to like have all this dexterity in any way. And I don't know what works, but bowl bowl has been awesome. And I have, I really hope we get to see him in the playoffs. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but what are your initial thoughts on bowl bowl finally getting his debut? I think just having Bo Bowl on the team, I think that it's one of those things where, like, the players as well as Malone, I think that they're just so excited to have him. They don't care what he's out there doing. They're just, like, in awe as the rest of the world is. Whenever he's playing, you're just like, whoa, whoa, he could do something so simple. And we're like, that was incredible because <laughs> who's doing that at that size? You know, just how everybody's in love with Boban. He's, he's like Boban, you know, just a huge guy, but he's able to do everything. Like, work guard, he passes, he – threw out some crazy outlet passes. He defends at a high level. They put him in situational spots where he's, you know, putting his hands up, um, showing off that long wingspan to try to back to pass. He's blocking everything. He blocked the three-pointer today and took off the other way. Um, he goes after everything. He's, he's just a fun player. And that's just like while being so raw, like he's, he's not – we just talked about Dozier is just so composed and he's just calm and – he understands the game. I think Bobo's still learning the game and he's still like a, a superstar in the making. And that's, I think he's just so scary to have for a team and they're just lucky to have him. And they're just like, let's ride it out. Let's see what happens. Yeah, Adam Matas talks about this thing where it's impact and production. To be a star, you need both. But if you don't have either, you're usually a bust. The fact that Bol Bol can just walk in here basically off the street because the dude has not played basketball at all in like a year and a half and just produce is wild. Like that is something that you can't teach. He is just innately good at basketball. And his court awareness is something that I didn't see coming. I knew he had some passing, but like one-handed 90-foot rifle passes is not something you see from anybody it's amazing when Jokic does that when Bol Bol in his third NBA game ever is whipping those passes around like you take notice to it but still like the thing that gets me is still the handles like when when Hassan Whiteside tried to check him at the top of the key and he just crossed him away and went over and dunked in the middle of the lane like you don't see people do that at his size. You don't see people with his skill set do that very often because he is such a perimeter-oriented shooter, but he has so much more to his game that is not even remotely unlocked yet. Like, his face-up post-game, like, if he can get seals in transition and then just get the ball low and then just go right up and put it in, once he learns how long he is and how easy that is going to be for him, he's going to get all of the easy points. So... This is my question for you now. Bull Bull, how would you fit him into this Nuggets team in an ideal world going forward? Is he a starter? Is he like a change of pace guy? Is he on the perimeter? Is he a power forward? Like, how would you even utilize him? Well, you know, a lot of uh, chips have to fall into place. You know, I have to see what they do. Oh, let's live in uh, hypothetical world. I don't even care about the chips. Like, let's just live in this ridiculous world for a second. Well, in a ridiculous hypothetical world, you just put him outside – Uh, Michael Porter Jr. and Jokic and just see what they can do like how much fun can you have you have (laughs) three guys that make crazy passes that can score at any time with Jamal Murray like on the perimeter ready for a jumper or go dunk the ball or whatever like that line those four that what, what can you do with that like in the future really what can you do with Michael Porter Jr. Jamal Murray Jokic and Bobo like they're, have they're tall, they're no big, idea. they can shoot the ball, they have spacing, um, they have IQ, they're unselfish. Like that is, that's going to be tough. Like that's why the, the future is so bright for them and why like so many people think that Denver is a contender um, in the future um, because of what can you do and, and what really is their ceiling. That's what's crazy about it. And all the length, too. Like, you can defend anything. I went on a rant a while ago where I was basically like, small ball is stupid. It's never been about being small. It's just about having multi, you know, versatile, skilled players on the court at the same time. They just happened to mostly be small players when the Warriors were originally doing this. So now we're in a new part of the NBA. Now we're seeing these skilled jumbo forwards like Giannis and Kawhi who can do whatever they want with the ball and be 6'8 to 6'11 
11. You know, Michael Porter Jr. even fits in that realm. So it's never been about small ball. It's just versatility at every position on the floor. And what the Nuggets did is they're like, you know what? Screw it. We're going to get the versatility, but we're going to put it in near seven footers and we're going to see if it works. So if that works, the Nuggets do have a potential to change the way people look at roster construction in basketball. And that's something that is just so damn cool to me. And I absolutely love the idea of it. Um, do you think that's possible that Bol Bol could be like a perimeter oriented power forward and they literally start that? Like, do you think that can work or is Bol Bol's hips like don't work well enough to turn and go defend people? Do you have to run zone? Like how I, that's the other part of it is there are so many red flags still. Well, I think that he applied himself to uh, like, you know, really um, on that side of the ball. Um, like, like we've already talked about, like you said, this is only his third game. So he hasn't even did any type of real scouting or anything like that. He hasn't had that type of work. He's been hurt a little bit, so he's not able to, to, to be able to defend those smaller guards and things of that nature. So I think that it comes with time. But I do think that he'll be able to play like that. I think that he'll be a player that will be in the running for a defensive player of the year just because the, of the way that he does things and, and the way that he's able to go down on the post the way that he's blocking on the perimeter and he's able to move. Um, people with that type of size, they're not able to do those type of things. And when you do have one, like let's say Giannis, for instance, he's a defensive player of the year. He has the same type of build. Um, Anthony Davis had the same type of build because they're able to defend both on perimeter and also at the rim. And it doesn't take tons of effort because or it takes a lot of effort. Let me take that back. It takes less effort being that long and able to clear space that easily. So I do find that fascinating. Um, Michael Porter Jr. is obviously the next person we're going to talk about. But the next segment as well, the next takeaway is the rise of Michael Porter Jr. and, and, and his chemistry with Jokic. So let's just combine them together. Did you have any anticipation that if Michael Porter Jr. would have any ability to do what he's done so far in the bubble? I think yes and no. Um, I'm not sure. I didn't. I was going into this. I was not sure that Malone would allow him to. But I, I think with so much injuries and, and how everything has played its part, it's like okay, we have no choice. So it's kind of like a okay, let's see. We've tried my way. Let's see your way. And Michael Porter way, uh, Michael Porter Jr.'s way is working. Like he's a player that. He doesn't have to learn the offense because he is the offense. <laughs> you just kind of give him the ball and move out of the way. You don't, you don't have to have a flow into the offense. You just see what he does, and then you go around it. Those are, there's some type of players in, in the league that are like that. Harden, they're not running plays, really. Like, they're just like, go, go do what you do, and, and we'll, we'll adjust to you. And there's some type of plays like that. And Michael Porter Jr. is one of those type of players and always will be one of those type of players. So now that he's getting his opportunity, he's getting his chance – we already knew he was a superstar offensive player. We already knew that. So now he's scoring the ball and he's starting to show those type of things that I think everybody already knew. And now it's like, okay, this is fun. This is exciting. And, and it's, it's their brand of basketball now. I agree with that, but it's not just the fact that he's able to do it. It's the way he's going about it because all the things you said are true. Like you can just give him the ball and let him go cook, but he isn't just doing that. Like he's choosing to get in the corner, take a screen from Jamal Murray, flash to the elbow, and then work a smaller defender down low and work within this Nuggets offense. Like when the Nuggets run dribble handoffs or pick and rolls with Michael Porter Jr. and Nikola Jokic, there's nothing the defense can do. If you fight over the screen, he's going to go downhill and be two-on-one with Jokic. If you try and hedge, then you have Jokic on the short roll slipping, being able to collapse the defense and create out of that. If you somehow go under the screen, then Porter's going to hit the three over you. If you just switch it, Jokic has a wing on him all of a sudden and can just post him up. Like There's literally nothing you can do against those two together. And that is what I think is so revealing is that Michael Porter Jr. bought into that. He realized how easy it could be. And I know that sounds easy to do because like it's Nicole fucking Jokic like he's the greatest passing center of all time so of course like people would want to play with them but Michael Porter Jr. has been the best player on every court he's ever played on so I assumed with that kind of a phenom level he would kind of take it upon himself to be the offense more than he has and the fact that he's bought into this and the fact that him and Jamal Murray coexisted on a court together and didn't kill each other those things are so encouraging to me for how Michael Porter Jr. can pan out as a versatile offensive threat not just a kd iso score you still there my guy 
Yeah, I'm here. Sorry about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah um, you could. With that, like, just feeding off of that, maybe that was just all in the cards all along. Like, maybe that's what Malone wanted because, you know, how, how it just looks right now is that he's trying to read. Like, Michael Porter Jr., you could tell that he knows if he doesn't do this, then maybe it's time back to, like, to go back to the bench. So maybe that, that was the thing all along because he's working harder on defense. He's making the extra pass, which he wasn't originally. He looks like he's playing within the flow of the offense while still being aggressive and assertive. Um, so I, maybe Malone was right. So it, it works out always. That's the way I look at it too. Like all of the inconsistent playing time fits and that makes sense now. And it totally allowed him to become the player the Nuggets need him to be. Not the player he can be yet, but the player the Nuggets need right now. And I think like, okay, so you were a big time passer when you played ball and still are. But when, you're a, when you are that kind of a playmaker and then all of a sudden here's a 6'10", super like athletic and also with the softest hands ever, power forward slash small forward who can score from anywhere, how happy is Nikola Jokic right now just having Michael Porter Jr. on the starting lineup? Well, he's also playing within the way that, you know, Jokic loves. Yes. Because you got to remember that was, that's what Gary Harris was. He was the one that was slashing. He was the one that was scoring whenever you want. And when you have a guy that's really unselfish, with another talented guy, you're going to, it opens you up and makes you a little bit better. And also you're having fun in the court. Jokic has fun with Michael Porter Jr. So he's doing those type of passes that he's used to. He doesn't have to feel like it's all on him to score every now and then, even though he loves to pass the basketball. So Michael Porter Jr. is the perfect sidekick for a player like Jokic because he's such a passive superstar that can score when he wants to. So now you have two pins on the court at the exact same time. It's just fun basketball. And it's easy basketball when they're that big. So it, it's, it was just, it's been a treat to watch those two together so far. Um, let's go back to Bull Bull for a second. Do you think he plays in the playoffs? I think, I think really it's just going to be um, um, situational basketball. I don't think that he'll play much at all. Um, but I think that in situations they'll need it um, at times. Rudy Gobert to give him minutes just because he's so tall uh, to give him different looks at times. Um, you know, that, that just makes sense to me. Um, but I don't see him going out and playing for a full quarter or anything like that. I think that he plays very, very small minutes just to give different looks at times. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like if the, if the Nuggets bench unit is just getting roasted at the rim, throwing him in there and playing zone just to like stop the bleeding is a very easy way to fix things. And also if they're like, if PJ Dozier is just like, I can't get into the lane because there's seven bodies in there and nobody has any floor spacing, throwing him out there to be a pick and pop threat is also very functional. So I agree with you. I think he plays, but I don't think he plays much. It'll be extremely situational. It'll be like a, a lefty on lefty reliever in baseball coming in, to, you know, extremely a specialist he'll be a specialist in that regard but i agree with you in that um let's move on to jeremy grant did you know jeremy grant has had has had as many skills as he has shown in the bubble so far with creating off the dribble posting guys up and all these different things that we haven't seen from him in the season knowing athleticism on the dunks that's what's really been standing out to me like the, the way he came down the lane the other day with the left hand dunk in traffic incredible then He's a versatile defender as well. So you have, like, think about that being your relief. You're like, oh, Michael Porter Jr. to the bench. (laughs) Jeremy Grant. So now it's like, okay, offense is gone, but now we get a balance of offense and defense, and he's going to bang with you every time, and he gives full effort the whole time. Like, that's not much of a relief. Like, you're not taking a deep breath when you see Jeremy Grant come into the game. You're like, okay, now I have to work harder on this end of the floor. Um, so I think that is great to have that on-off type of player, especially him coming off the bench. Um, it just gives you a different element with the second unit um, just because he's, he's a guy that you can't really – I don't think that you could really game plan for. I you totally don't say agree. this is what you're going to do with him because he really can. He can score. He can shoot. He can get to the rim. He rebounds extremely hard. He plays multiple guys. You could put him on a, a wing. You could put him on a big – like he he's he's a player that is just kind of like a, a live wire type of player. You don't know what to do with him. 
Yeah, he covered Zubots, he covered Kawhi Leonard, and he covered Paul George in the, all in the same game against the Clippers. Like, he is going to be their first line of defense against these elite forwards in the NBA. I also think that they're going to close with him at small forward and Michael Porter Jr. at shooting guard. I think you're going to see the Nuggets play Jamal Murray, Porter, Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic together to close games because they're going to need the defense of Millsap and of Grant. They're going to need the shooting of Porter, and you're not taking taking Jamal or Nicola off the floor. So that is just what makes the most sense to me. So I think Jeremy Grant's importance, like he is the X factor for the Nuggets in the, in the playoffs. Like I know Michael Porter Jr. is hyper important. I think Jeremy Grant is going to be the more important player overall for the Nuggets in the playoffs. Uh, and I, I'm very excited to see how he plays in that role. Because if, if he is able to close and play small forward and show these new offensive skills and at least make life difficult for these elite star forwards, that's going to be huge for the Nuggets going forward. But did you have anything else you wanted to add about Jeremy Grant? No, he's, he's a player. <laughs> he he's is a, a player. player and, and really, you do have to close with him. Um, he, he just he does everything that you need um, in, a, in a four. And put, being able to put him out on the wing, um, it just adds one more dangerous weapon out there, um, both on offense and defense. And you'll need a person that can, can close. And that's where the, the, the problems usually exist. Um, in basketball is having a player that you can't keep on the floor because of, let's say, free throws. They can't defend in situational uh, times or in crunch time. He's able to do all of these type of things. Um, so I think that he's a great closer for them. And you could switch it up sometimes. Him, Millsap, it just it makes sense. 100% agree. Let's move on to Jamal Big Guard Murray. Most players, when they say that they put on muscle, they come back with like half as much as you expect. Like there's always over embellished. Jamal Murray came back twice as big as I expected. And he looks stronger when he plays and it's impacted the way he plays defense and gets to the rim and rebounds the basketball. Did you have any anticipation that Jamal Murray would come back looking this much stronger after the hiatus? Honestly, I'll say yes, and and Malone alluded to it in um, the media session today. Um, he said that last year, the Rodney Hood matchup, yep. Jamal, Mur- Jamal Murray took it personal. I truly do believe that. I think that no matter who they were going to play, he knew that he was going to have to get bigger with the playoffs. And it just so happened that there was this pandemic that he was able to get bigger and to get stronger. And then when you come back, you get to see those type of things. But I think that it was always in the cards for – him when it came to being in the playoffs, he was going to be a bigger player just so that those type of things wouldn't happen anymore. Jamal Murray is a player that really, he, he plays with so much pride and the edge um, and things of that nature. So that's something that he mentally prepared himself for. And I think that that was just something that we kind of could have expected. I totally agree. And I also think him putting this much extra muscle on is going to unlock so much more of his game. Everyone's talked about the post game, which is filthy. Like he is just dirty in the post. But beyond that, like he stonewall Kawhi in the post against the Clippers. Like again, he was getting cooked by Rodney Hood over and over and over again. And Derek White was taking the town. And then all of a sudden he's stonewalling Kawhi. In addition to that, one of my biggest gripes with Murray was that his handle was kind of rudimentary so he wasn't able to get to his spots that he was trying to get to with any kind of ease it always took a lot of effort for him to get to where he wanted to be that is gone he is muscling dudes out of the way and getting wherever he wants and we've seen that manifest at the rim and in the mid-range because of that the three-point line is now looking much 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 more functional for him because he has the room and I think the other thing is that he's more durable when he has more muscle on him like this and we know that Jamal Murray plays like a psycho and will throw his body into anybody trying to either put a poster down or do something crazy. And to have this extra muscle, that little bit of extra protection, I think could be huge for him. And again, the rebounding to pull down 12 boards in a double overtime game for your first game back, that's nuts. So Jamal Murray having this much extra weight, I think it's really going to help him. Do you think this does raise the ceiling for Jamal Murray? Of course I do. do. Just because it adds something that he didn't have last year. Jamal Murray's already been a great offensive player. He's always gave effort on the defensive end, even if they were too big. He's a player that had to switch onto a bigger guy and try to hold his own. Um, and that just comes with the confidence. Now he's playing in a, a setting where it's kind of like street ball and you don't have the crowd on your side or anything like that. So you just have that, that own edge that you have to push yourself. Um, and he's a player that pushes himself like no other player that the Nuggets do have. Um, so 
just adding on that weight, I think it just the the reason that is is because it's something that he didn't have before uh, that he could use to his advantage. And it wasn't just that he didn't have it before. He took his biggest weakness and eliminated it potentially. Like that is huge to not have like Jamal Murray as the person you attack as an offense now. Like if that is able to become the case, that's huge for the Nuggets because their biggest issue was not that Nikola Jokic is a bad defender. It's that he always had guys who were unable to contain on the perimeter as they got blown by and suddenly Nikola Jokic is defending people on his heels and it's usually two on one. So if Jamal Murray can fix that, it takes the Nuggets to a whole new level but that has not necessarily manifested as a team yet the Nuggets defense has been atrocious like it has been absolutely awful and the next point I want to talk about is Paul Millsap's importance on defense is going to be so massive in the playoffs because he's the only one who can fill in these gaps for the Nuggets because right now they cannot defend a chair and I don't know what's going to happen or if they're going to be able to flip the switch but that's concerning Malone called it embarrassing after the game tonight so do you think the Nuggets can flip a switch and get back to playing good defense? I don't think they flip a switch, but I think that they take it a lot more serious than they do um, just because they know what's on the line. Um, I don't think that there's there's a switch that anyone could uh, flip when it comes to the playoffs. Those issues going into it, you just have to get better at it, but it's still going to be there. Um, their defense has not been good. It's not been great at all. Um, they've had issues with the three-point line, and that's been for seasons, um, trying to defend off the threes, run shooters off of threes, um, and things like that. Um, they're also now allowing other teams to get to the rim and just dunk, lay up, so bad everything today. at the rim. They're, they're letting them do whatever they want um, out. But I think that that comes with pride, and I think that in, in the playoffs, um, in, in a game setting where every single possession matters, you just take pride into it. And that's just not the Nuggets. I think that that's all teams. So I do think that there will be – a lot better effort for, for Denver, but at the same time, you, you've built these rhythms, and now in the playoffs, you have these coaches. Quinn Snyder's going to attack that. He's going to see those type of things that, that you struggle with, the things that Michael Porter Jr. has had issues with, um, switches and things of that nature. So you just have to be that much more um, – you have to be more intelligent on the court. You have to make smart reads um, and let it come on the fly, but – they do have to understand that they are going to get ta- attacked from different uh, standpoints and different spots in the game. And in the playoff, it's just mag- magnified. Yeah, for sure. I was originally thinking Paul Millsap would play like 20 to 25 minutes a night in the playoffs. I'm thinking he's going to be playing a lot closer to 32, 33 now because they're going to need every damn minute they can get from him to be able to keep this defense alive, I think. Especially early on because, like you said, they don't have the right habits right now. They might get the drive back, but the execution is going to take time still. So getting Paul Millsap a lot of minutes is going to be real important. But even with all this being said, even with the defense being bad, all the injuries, yada, 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 here's my take the nuggets now have a higher playoff ceiling than they had before the season ended is that or before the season went on on its suspension its hiatus do you believe that's true i know they're down two starters i know their bench unit's been shooken up but do you think this nuggets team has a better chance of fighting for a title now than they did before I think so, because now you have a bigger trust in the, in the second unit. You have a bigger trust in, in, in other guys that had to step up with your guys missing. And then you have that hope that your guys are going to be back so things will be back to normal. Um, I think that that adds a whole different element. But, you know, you, you're down Will Barton, you're down Gary Harris, but then you add Michael Porter Jr. You add Bo Bo being able to give you minutes. P.J. Dozier um, at a spot that they really, really need good minutes for when Jamal Murray is out, to get out of the game. So – I think that their ceiling is a lot higher just because of these unknowns uh, that they had um, heading into to this hiatus. Who knows if Michael Porter Jr. was going to be able to play in a regular place if, if it had happened um, I totally without agree. these type of minutes and P.J. Dozier and things of that nature. So the injuries are kind of like a silver lining type of thing. It's not good to say that anyone should be injured, but you got to see different elements of your team, and now you get to really adjust. We just talked about how teams will adjust to Denver, Denver will be able to adjust to teams um, and look at their weaknesses as well. And now you have these other guys that you didn't originally have that can give you those minutes. 
Yeah, I think the big thing is they'll be able to match up with bigger teams now. Like, And this has nothing to do with, with Gary Harris or Will Barton being bad. But when you're trying to match up with the Clippers and you're trying to match up with the Lakers, playing Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Will Barton at 1, 2, and 3 is just too small. Like, I don't know how you match up. But when you have Torrey Craig in there for, for Gary Harris and you have 6'11", Michael Porter Jr. in there for Will Barton, you can match up now. Like, you have the physical capability of doing it. So I think that is really the big thing is that they do have the ability to have a puncher's chance with one of these elite teams now. So I, I, I totally agree with everything you said. I also think they have a higher playoff ceiling, and it's going to be a ton of fun to watch. So let's quickly talk about this Utah series because I've kept you here long enough. But when it comes to the Utah Jazz series that starts in like, what, 36 hours or whatever, what are your initial thoughts for an advantage the Nuggets have in this series? I think having a deeper bench. Um, that's yeah. going to be uh, pivotal because if you just go back to the way that these two teams are, have played each other all season long, we already know that Jokic is going to have a hard time with Gobert. Um, you already know that Jamal is going to have issues with um, Mike Conley and, and things of that nature. And then, you know, you have Donovan Mitchell over there. Um, but other than that, you really have, you have advantage when it comes to, to your backup units. And that's when to really try to attack. And also, that's a team that slows things down. So on defense, they actually play to your advantage. Denver's been having a hard time with allowing, you know, these fast-paced, quick teams um, put up these big scores. Utah's not looking to put up big scores. So that, that really does play to the Nuggets' advantage because they, they can slow it down. Um, and that's when you really have to execute a little bit more, but you're at least not putting up these big numbers. You have a chance to get back and get into a set defense. Um, I do expect the Jazz to try to push it at them a little early just to give them that look um, maybe in the first game or two. But other than that, I think that the Nuggets really do have advantages, especially when you have players like Michael Porter Jr. that mm-hmm. the Jazz really haven't seen a whole lot and can get going um, at any time. Um, then you have the second unit where you bring in Monte Morris and um, Jeremy Grant um, and things of that nature. So I think that the second unit is where you really do attack them. Yeah, I mean, when you have an Emmanuel Moutier, Jordan Clarkson backcourt, you can do some damage against that backcourt. That just is what it is. It's a factual statement. The other thing, too, is they have nobody to match up with Michael Porter Jr. Like 6'9", aging Joe Ingles is their best bet. And that is going to be such a tough call for them. And I think defensively, with this new lineup, they're going to be able to do some interesting things. When you have Gary, or when you have... um, Tory Craig in there to match up with Donovan Mitchell. That's a huge size advantage for Denver to be able to try and slow him down. In addition to that, you're going to have Michael Porter Jr. trying to take away Joe Ingles' floor spacing, which will very much so help suffocate the rest of the floor for the Nuggets. Because if you're making Rudy Gobert their primary scoring option, you're going to win the game. So I think the Nuggets got the best draw they could get. I think they're going to win in five or six games, probably six games. Um, do you have any predictions? Yeah, I'll say six games. I think that the Jazz really do, um, you know, make a push at them. It's not going to be as easy uh, as some may think. Um, As far as the Jazz, they really do want to play defense. They do want to slow it down and and grind it out. And the Nuggets really – we've we've been harping about how the second unit is great. But with that, there's inexperience. There's a group that hasn't had those type of minutes, hasn't had those type of games, and that is going to be a shock for them because they are playing – um, I would call it a veteran team now. Um, people that have been there before. So that is going to be something that you have to see. So I do think that Denver will have to adjust to the, the Jazz um, and they will you know, win two games. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be, a, they're all going to be close games, but I think Denver wins most of them is kind of where I'm at. But that's all I got, man. Thank you so much for coming and just to bullshit about hoops. Like it's, uh, this is always great to do, especially in these times. Um, please plug everything for yourself real quick so people know where to find you. I'm at uh, Devalia Johnson, nothing hard. Um, it's straightforward um, on Twitter. Um, and I'm a, a part of the Mile High Sports. Uh, we have our page, Mile High Sports Nuggets, uh, where we're coming out with our articles after you. Yeah, man, we're going to be here all the way through the playoffs. Dev, it was a pleasure. Stay safe. And I will talk to you in the future, my guy. All right, take care, man.
Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are finally coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, you get NFL Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels, so you never miss your favorite teams and your favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use your promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off of your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. That is promo code BLUEWIRE in all capital letters. Thank you guys all again for sticking around for the conversation that I had with Devalier Johnson, but we're not done yet. There are still some questions from listeners that I forgot to ask Dev because we went a little bit long, so I'm going to answer them real quick before I forget. So, let's just dive into them. Um, Omar asks, what have we learned about next year's Nuggets team in the bubble so far? I think what we've learned is a couple things. The Nuggets are going to have a lot of roster turnover. There's a potential to lose um, Torrey Craig, Mason Plumlee, and a few other players. And knowing that Bull Bull exists and is able to play well is an encouraging thing when you could potentially be losing a big. In addition to that, Keita Bates' job has done a really good job of showing that he can fill in the shoes that Torrey Craig might potentially vacate if he gets a bigger deal elsewhere and chooses to leave the Nuggets in free agency this coming year. Um, So I think there are some things like that. Also, the Nuggets know who their starting small forward is, so long as things continue as they have been going in Michael Porter Jr., and that's very encouraging as well. So they definitely had some things they've learned in this bubble. There's no denying that. Uh, Grant Carey asks, do you think that MPJ deserves to be on an all-bubble team? If he's not on an all-bubble team, Malone might end a press conference by being upset about it once again. So I actually hope he doesn't make it, so I get to hear Michael Malone complaining about an all-bubble team, because that is the most anti-Malone thing on earth, and I would absolutely love to see that. But, in all honesty, he absolutely deserves to be on an all-bubble team. Um, let's keep going. Joel Stevens asks, is it finally time to get off Gary Harris? Have we reached the point to where his contract can't be unloaded without sacrificing more draft picks? If Gary doesn't play in the playoffs, I think you're right. I think that the Nuggets would have to trade picks to get off of him, and I don't think they would do that. They would give him next season to to get back to form. If not, they would just let him walk, I think is what you would do in, in Gary Harris' situation. But he's in a bad spot. I don't know what's going to happen with Gary, and I really hope it works out for him. All right, last one. Who plays more minutes in the playoffs, Dozier or Plumley? This is actually a really good question. Um, Plumley would, and this is by Miroslav. Miroslav is amazing, one of the best follows on Twitter for Nugget stuff. But um, in my opinion, Mason Plumley will just have a lot of minutes taken because Nikola Jokic is going to play a lot of minutes. The Nuggets bench is almost just better when they play small, and Bull Bull might get a few minutes. Uh, the Nuggets without Gary Harris and Will Barton, as I'm assuming they're going to be without, they are going to need to play P.J. Dozier a lot. So I think P.J. Dozier is going to play more minutes than Mason Plumley. Thank you guys again. It's always so awesome answering questions from listeners as they send them in. So we're able to get a bunch of different stuff covered on the show. Also, I want to say thank you to the Theragun CBD from Theragun. They're awesome. Make sure you go to theragun.com backslash bluewire to be able to go get a buy one, get one free from Theragun products. Also, thank you to NFLSundayTicket.tv. Also, thank you to Bet Online. It's just so awesome to have so many great sponsors of the show to keep it going for what it is. And also, thank you to all the people who have subscribed to the show if you haven't go find this podcast the rocky mountain hoops podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and click subscribe leave me a five-star rating send me a review share it with friends share it on social media all of that is incredibly incredibly helpful but from me that is all i got we will be back when the playoffs are here so until next time i hope you guys have a great time wear your masks stay safe and we'll talk to you later
Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to uh, to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all of the odds, the futures, and props to bet on, and they're all available 24/7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion. Robert Ori. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series that they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all of your odds and up-to-date sports news. Also, remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE when to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, spelled B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline, your online wagering experts.